G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. What kind of impact are you having in your family? How effective is your word as a parent, as a mother, a father? World changers draw their families to Christ, but those that are changed by the world drive their families from Christ. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie brings strong encouragement about our responsibility to reach our most important mission field, our families. Understand that they're watching you. They're looking to you as an example. Be a good example. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. Why is it that our family? are often the most challenging people when it comes to sharing our faith. It could be family dynamics or the baggage of the past. It could be they think it's a phase we're going through. It can be too easy to put off, to procrastinate, thinking that, well, I'll have that conversation later. Today, on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that we need to share Christ now. We never know how much time we have. We never know how much time they have. a really surprising statistic the other day uh, from the Gallup organization that revealed that 66% of the American people believe Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth in the future. That's not 66% of Christians. That's 66% of Americans. And usually when they poll Americans, it's under 50%. Uh, those that claim to be Christians, and I doubt that number myself, but just for the sake of a point, a lot of people believe Jesus is coming back, and many of them not even born again. You know, and you wonder when this event happens, how will it be reported in the press? I think every publication or website would have their own spin. You know, the Wall Street Journal would look at it more from a financial perspective, and their headline would probably be, Dow Jones plummets as world ends, right? Uh, Victoria's Secret uh, would say on their catalog, our final sale, maybe, I don't know. (laughs) Sports Illustrated, more from a sports viewpoint, game over. Uh, USA Today, they're very brief in their headlines. We're dead, yeah, that's USA, we're dead. (laughs) Wired Magazine, more into the latest technology, the last new thing. Uh, Rolling Stone would probably have the headline, the Grateful Dead reunion tour, I don't know, something like that. (laughs) Ladies Home Journal, you know, they always have articles on weight loss, right? Lose 10 pounds by Judgment Day with our new Armageddon diet. (laughs) And uh, the Food Network might have something along the lines of cooked goose recipe. Yeah, well, however it's reported, this we know, Jesus Christ is coming back again. How do I know that? Because Jesus said, I will come again. And actually, one of the signs of the end times is people will say, we're not in the end times. Did you know that? Because over in 2 Peter 3, it says, 
I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. And they'll say, hey, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? For before the time of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forgot that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water, and he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. So this, of course, is a reference to the flood of Noah. And that brings us to our topic, which is the world changer at the end of the world. Noah was a last days believer. You say, but how is that possible? Well, he was living in his last days. He was living in the days before the flood. Now, we're not gonna have another flood, but we are gonna have the fire, the judgment of God. So he, in effect, was waiting for the flood. We're waiting for the fire. He was in his last days. We're in our last days. And here's why I say that. Because Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be when I return again. Jesus said, Matthew 24, the arrival of the Son of Man will take place in times like Noah's. Before the great flood, everyone was carrying on as usual, having a good time, right up to the time that Noah boarded the ark. They knew nothing until the flood swept everything away and the Son of Man's arrival will be just like that. Two men will be working in the field. One will be taken, one left behind. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, one left behind. So stay awake, be alert. You have no idea what day your master will show up. So how should we live as last day's believers? Well, if we take a cue from Noah, as we discovered in our World Changer series, Hebrews eleven seven says, by faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Remember, we learned that Noah had a reverence for God. And when we talk about reverencing God or fearing God, it just means a respect for God, an awe of God. I told you a, a good definition of fearing God is a wholesome dread of displeasing Him. Number two, if you're taking notes, Noah walked with God when no one else would. That's what we're told in Genesis 6, 9. Noah walked with God. Another thing about Noah is he was a witness for God because 2 Peter 2.5 says Noah was a preacher of righteousness. But here was the problem. He was a preacher without any converts, <laughs> uh, at least on the outside. He preached for 120 years and never had a single person believe. Just as people mock Christians today, they mocked him back then thinking crazy old Noah building that big old boat. What's wrong with this guy? But uh, he kept on. And here's the thing you need to know. Our job, as I pointed out, is to sow the seed of the gospel. God's job is to convert people. I've never converted anyone, and I don't think I ever will. And if I do, I feel sorry for them because you don't want me to convert you, because I can't. I heard the story once of when Billy Graham was on an airplane. Some guy was getting drunk. I don't know why they serve alcohol in airplanes, by the way. That, to me, is a recipe for disaster. But uh, this guy got drunk as a skunk, and... Uh, he heard the famed evangelist was on board his plane. And so he said, I want to meet Billy Graham. He's pushing his way forward and, and someone's trying to keep him away from Billy. And Billy stood him and said, hello, nice to meet you. He said, Billy, I'm one of your converts. And so <laughs> Billy looks at him and said, well, you must be one of my converts. I don't know if you're one of the Lord's though. And so, you know, 
We can't convert anyone. But here's an interesting story that I read about. A missionary whose name was George Smith. He thought his ministry was a dismal failure. George Smith had been in Africa for only a short time. But when he was driven from the country, leaving behind one single convert, a poor woman. Uh, he died not long after that while on his knees praying for Africa. So it looked like he failed big time. Well, years later, a group of men stumbled into the place where George Smith had prayed. They found a copy of the scriptures he had left behind in Africa. And they met the one convert of his ministry. But the result of her conversion and those she influenced and then the people that influenced others from that resulted in a study that revealed 13,000 people tracing their conversion to missionary George Smith. See, so it ain't over till it's over. Or it's not over until the fat lady sings. As they say, I don't know who the fat lady is. And I would never point her out if I knew. Because she would be very angry with me. But uh, that's just an expression, right? But you may say, well, I've never reached anybody. Well, Maybe you reach more people than you realize. Hey, Noah did reach his family because Hebrews 11:7 says, by faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. He reached his kids. Listen, let me say a word to a mother or a grandmother or a grandfather or a father. If the only person you ever reached was your own son or daughter, or your own grandkids, and you made an impact on them, you don't know how that's gonna play out in years to come, long after you're gone. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. And he's comparing Noah's integrity with that of Lot in the Bible. He says one saw success in their family, while the other saw great failure and despair. It's absolutely critical that we share our faith, especially with our families. Pastor Greg continues. It's a message called The World Changer at the End of the World. It's interesting to contrast Noah with another Old Testament character named Lot. Both lived before a cataclysmic judgment. Noah was waiting for the flood. Lot was waiting for the judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah where he lived. Lot did not reach his family like Noah did. And Lot's problem was he compromised. He he lowered his uh, standards in order to extend his reach. And one day when the angels of the Lord came and said, loose paraphrase, buddy, got to get out of here with your family. Judgment's coming down fast. He went to his sons-in-law and told them and they laughed in his face. They thought it was some kind of a joke. And he basically had to be drug out of the city. And that is why Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Why should I remember Lot's wife? Well, she was leaving Sodom and Gomorrah as she was told not to look back, and she looked back. And by the way, the phrase that describes her looking back doesn't just mean like, well, like that. No, it's more like she looked with longing. She looked with longing. Have you ever looked at something with longing? Let me restate the question. Have you ever been at Krispy Kreme when the sign is lit up <laughs> and the glazed donuts are coming down the conveyor belt? Oh, yes. That's looking with longing. That's how she looked at Sodom and Gomorrah. So she turned to a pillar of salt. And then Lot, of course, left the city. He got drunk. He had incestuous relations with his daughters. It's just a mess, horrible thing. Noah spoke and his family moved. 
Lot spoke and his family laughed. What kind of impact are you having in your family? How effective is your word as a parent, as a mother, a father? Well, world changers draw their families to Christ, but those that are changed by the world drive their families from Christ. I'll tell you what, one of the worst things you can do is raise your kids in a Christian home and be a full-on hypocrite. Look, we, we all have moments of inconsistency and even hypocrisy, everyone must admit that. But when you're playing a game and you're putting on a show and you're saying you love Jesus and then you're contradicting it by pretty much everything you say and do, that is a great way to drive your children from Christ. Don't do that to your kids. Understand that they're watching you. They're looking to you as an example. Be a good example. Noah was that man. Now God gives him a very unique command. Uh, in Genesis 6, verse 14, God says to Noah to build an ark. And Genesis 6, 14 says, God speaking, build a large boat from gopher wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out, then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 70 feet wide, 45 feet high, leave an 18 inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat, put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat lower, middle, and upper. <laughs> now this would require a supreme act of faith because there was no body of water nearby. In fact, to the point, it had never rained on the face of the earth. The earth at this point in the book of Genesis was sort of like a big giant greenhouse. There was sort of this water canopy over the earth creating this greenhouse effect. But God said a flood's coming. And so he told Noah to do something that had never been done before, to build this ark. In one of the greatest practical acts of faith in all of history, it was when Noah cut down the first gopher wood tree to build this ark, or as the kid's song about it says, build it out of gopher barky, barky. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did. Now many dismissed the idea of the ark by saying, well, you know how many species of animals there are. There's no way this could happen. This is a child's story. It's a fable. It's a fairy tale. Millions and millions of species. There's, there's no way that even a small portion of them could be put into this one boat no matter how big it is. But that's not true. Let's think about this for a moment. Again, the ark is 450 feet long, 70 feet wide, and 45 feet high. So the thing is massive. In fact, weighing in at about 13,000 tons, it would be within the category of large metal ocean-going vessels today. And it wasn't until the 1800s that there was a ship built that exceeded the capacity of the Ark of Noah. Now, granted, the Ark was no titanic in beauty, but it was certainly more seaworthy. It was a gigantic, sealed, floating box that was very stable in the water and virtually impossible to capsize. So the very large animals were surely represented by the young. In other words, when they brought two elephants in, they didn't have to be adult elephants. They were probably baby elephants. From the answers in Genesis ministry, Ken Ham points out the following. 16,000 animals were all that would be needed to preserve the created kinds that God brought into the ark. You didn't need to bring every kind of animal, nor did God command it, only air-breathing, land-dwelling animals and creeping things and winged animals like birds. You don't have to bring a whale on board. 
You don't have to bring a fish on board. They can swim alongside in the water, their natural habitat. You don't need all these species of dogs like we have today, just parent dogs, because now we have all these crazy breeds out there like Labradoodles, you know? <laughs> um, I have nothing against Labradoodles, but I was looking up some other breeds. They have Jackapoodles, Spoodles. I don't even know what a Spoodle is. That's a dog and a spoon, I suppose. <laughs> And then this is, I'm not making this up, a German woodle. A German woodle is a German wire hair and a standard poodle. And then there's all those little dogs like the chihuahuas, you know. I would put them in the rat category, by the way. I don't really think they're dogs. And, and especially if you push a dog in a stroller, I'm just, I don't know what to say to you. I, I do know what to say to you. If you push a dog in, how many of you push dogs in strollers? Just, okay. Nobody's admitting it, but I know there are some of you. Okay, if you do, I just have one word. In love, stop. Just please, please stop. Okay. So this is doable. And not only is it doable, it was done. Greg Laurie pointing out the great task of preparing the ark for its voyage during the Great Flood. We're studying the life of Noah today as part of Pastor Greg's series, World Changes. And Pastor Greg will continue on Monday with more insight into the life of Noah. Hope you can join us same time. In the meantime, have a great weekend. of today's full message get in touch with vision christian store it was called the world changer at the end of the world just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-005011 thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from vision christian media to find out more about us go to vision.org.au